We are officially recording our first ever random scattered across the country podcast using Zencaster.com. And it annoys me that all these web companies are taking all the vowels out of things. I think it's something that people will recognize in a few years' time as a, an era. Like in the 90s where you were like a color and a fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A blue strawberry. <laughs> and you were never the same color as the actual fruit. Purple apple. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, we because we had that with Leaderspeak, and then we took it. We remember that's why we actually changed the name from Leaderspeak to Talk Drawer because we had to drop the E, and it frustrated me so much. I was like, "This is bullshit." Anyway, yeah. <laughs> preamble aside, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio the EO South Africa podcast. My name is Richard Mulholland, and I'm here with my co-host, the handsome, bearded Ross Drakes. Hey, Ross, how's it going? Going super rad, dude. Great chatting to you. Cool. Well, I mean, let's kick it off. I think um, the the first topic we want to discuss today is um, I spent, not last week, the week before in Washington at the Global Leadership Academy um, run by Warren Rustand and George Gann. And uh, I know you attended, I think, two years ago. Um, right. Named 2016. Yeah. Yeah, and I can honestly say it's been one of the most fundamentally mind-shifting experiences that I've ever gone through um, where George and Warren present a lot of content you've seen before, but they just give it a context that makes it sort of stick in your brain in a way like I've, I've never experienced at a, a program like that before. I don't know if your experience was the same. Yeah, I mean, I came straight back from from the GLA. I think the Global Leadership Academy is, for me, one of the best uh, packages, uh, one of the best programs that EO has on offer. In fact, it was a reason for me to pursue leadership in the organization and to encourage people to pursue leadership in the organization is just so that you're applicable for this program. It's that yeah. good. But I've done timeline at a forum retreat twice since doing GLA. And uh, uh, GLA comes up as one of my timeline moments. It was one of the points in my life where I was heading one direction and then I did the GLA and I've been going a different direction. And I can categorically tell you two years down, the change in me as a person and the change in my life has been marked. It isn't just something that feels good while, you know, two weeks later, I wrote my, my clan credo over the first year. I've just written my personal vision and values and all of these things. And all of this is, is because of the GLA. It's made me more intentional about myself as a person. It's been unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, I went to Washington and the, the, the thoughts I came there for, I was like, yeah, I want to learn how to lead my team better and get more out of them. And very interestingly, most of the focus is on, on how you are, you know, like your mental, mental state of being, your physical state of being, your emotional state of being, your spiritual state of being, and how all of those things stack up to your kind of personal mission. And if you're in line and you're, you're balanced in all of those areas, the amount you can achieve and the way you can lead people and the way you can build your company just exponentially increases. I can see I've had conversations with four of my staff since getting back and we've moved through things that have been plaguing us for, for years. You know, we're starting to see those kind of shift just by changing the, you know, I changed my 
reason for having the conversations with the team and taking it from a place of empathy and being open and honest with them and the shift and the kind of feedback that they've given me is so so different to how I've experienced it in the past. That's amazing. So maybe for context, as a reminder for me and as a context for everybody else, do you want to briefly describe the program, uh, how it worked, uh, what happened, uh, what the basic journey was? Without, without giving away too many big spoilers, because obviously there's stuff we want people to experience. Yeah, I think what, what really made it different was the, the intentionality of the way the, the, the program was designed and when things happened and how they happened was so, so clearly thought out. So you arrive at an event and we were not given an agenda. So we never knew what was coming or, you know, what, what we could prepare for and potentially what we could skip out on in order to get the phone call. And all Warren did is stand up and say, guys, I want you to trust us that we've put in a lot of time and energy and we've planned this thing out really, really well. And I want your commitment to engage in everything. So it's your day starts at six o'clock where you get up and, and run through 10, 10, 10, which we can talk about just now. Then you exercise, then you have breakfast, then you go into the formal program, then you move on to dinner and you just repeat the process for a few days. Um, but I think what was so clever about the way it's designed is a concept would be introduced via some kind of an experience or a story. And then Warren and George would give you a, a context in which to think about the experience that you've just had. And then you'd be delivered a whole bunch of content in terms of very practical stuff on how to, how to actually move towards that, that thought or that kind of that, that seed that they'd planted. And then interestingly reflecting back, it, it feels like every single day was almost building up each moment built up to the next moment. So the content was delivered at the perfect time for when you were ready because you had to hear and experience all of the other things to be ready to truly hear the, the message that was being put across. Right, right. The idea is they started very, very practically about like looking at other leaders and looking at how you can lead from a place of fear and, and you know, creating competition and secrecy and not sharing information with people or you can lead from a place of inclusion and openness and honesty and leading from principle and how both of them can, can end up. So you kind of start looking externally. And then the focus of the, 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 first, the next day is around looking at yourself and what do you want? Like, why are you here? What are you hoping to get out of being a better leader? Because I think that is the intrinsic driver that you, you fall back on when times are tough. Um, and I know from myself, there was the whole idea that you start with a physical, a physical base, like how's your body doing? How you, how's your nutrition? How's your hydration? How's your exercise? Then that stacks up to how are you, how are you doing emotionally? How are you handling stress? How are you relationships doing? Then it moves on to your, um, kind of your values or your, your kind of, uh, I suppose spirituality is, is a way some people thinking like, what is your vision? Where are you heading? And I think if you don't invest in each one of those blocks, you are running at a, a lesser degree of yourself. You know, my, one of my realizations is that uh, I didn't actually look after myself physically. I was putting too much into the business and not investing in 
things like nutrition and sleep and exercise. And the net result is over time, I was actually performing worse and worse. So I've achieved much more in the last two weeks because I get up at five, I, I exercise, I eat well, I focus on, on keeping my energy levels up and, and help my brain not kind of slip into that high stress, bad decision mode. I'm two weeks into this process and I'd, I'd be interested to know like what it's like for you who's two years into the process. Are you still feeling that, like, do you still see, see those pillars? Are you still actively investing in them and making yourself a more balanced person? So, I mean, this morning I woke up and I went through my 10, 10, 10. Uh, I do that every single day, weekends included. Uh, I uh, read, I have, it's not so much random reading of a book. I have certain things that I read every day. One of those Eric Kruger's morning email. I read about precision nutrition every morning, about what are some goals I want to have in terms of my eating. Uh, I read a number of things and then I reflect on those. I do it in meditation. And then I write and I open, I have an app that I use every single day and I mark off what things are and I create intentional goals. So every day for me is intentional. That's one of the biggest thing. I use an app called Write a Day and I do that. I also track habits that I want to create. So I have a number of habits. One of the things I created, as I mentioned, was my clan credo for my family. And I, one of my habits is I want to reread that to everybody every week. I have a personal credo that I wrote, and I read that every single day. I have personal values that are, I read once a week. And these are all things that I had not done before. And more importantly, I also have, we met, as you, you have a mini forum every single night to the GLA, and my forum stayed together, and we decided to meet once or twice a year. And the first time we did it, we did a forum, and at the end of the call, I actually said to the guys, like, we don't actually need another forum. It's problematic, right? We don't need another forum and it's not that. However, one of the things we spoke about is creating this list of goals. Warren Rustan famously has a list of 100 things he wanted to do before he died. So we said, yeah, well, I'm, on my, I'm on 34. It's very hard to create 100 goals to achieve before you die or well, 100 meaningful goals. Right. And I, so I'm on like 60 or 70 of them at the moment, but they're not all meaningful, right? Because I think that's what's important is I, I, there are things that I definitely want to be able to do, but you know, there's build a $100 million business and there's solve a Rubik's Cube. So they're two very, <laughs> very different things, but I, I certainly want to get through them both. But yes. I worked on that and then we have our forum meetings. Now we meet twice a year and we hold ourselves accountable to how many things we checked off the list. So this year I've checked off five uh, uh, things that I wouldn't have otherwise done. But because I was thinking, well, I have this opportunity, go to the list and reflect on things I want, I, you know, I want to make happen. And just by being intentional about my life, like the next big, big keynote I'm going to write is about the power of intentionality that intention is everything. And this is all a byproduct of the GLA. And I just want to mention as well for, for the listeners, if some of the stuff that Ross was saying at the beginning about the leaders and the different leadership styles is vague, it's because there is such an amazing part of the experience that, that we went through when we attended that we don't want to ruin for you. And we, we want you to go and try and to get onto this program either through the RLA, the Regional Leadership Academy, or through the Global Leadership Academy. But, and I think the criteria is for the regional leadership, you have to have been sat on a local board. But for the Global Leadership Academy, you have to have previously been a president and be in some other space in, in EO, I believe. It's something like that. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you touched on probably the most powerful point out of this thing is that idea of intentionality, that you need to be intentional with your vision and you need to hold true to that. You need to be intentional with the values that you you measure everything. What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? You know, how are you filtering that stuff? It's about the intentional thought you put into it. Um, you know, that idea, you know, we can talk about it now is the 10, 10, 10, that every morning you spend 10 minutes practicing being grateful and you just write down a few things you're grateful about. Then you spend 10 minutes reading something inspirational, something engaging, something that like stimulates your brain to kind of think about life's biggest challenges or things that you're kind of dealing with in your life. And then you spend 10 minutes just journaling, which is just the moments of processing that gratitude and that inspiration that's gone into you. And the the shift in your daily mindset is, is powerful. I mean, one of the things I've started to do is to set my intention for the day. So every day I read something and I look at what's coming up and I go, okay, what I want to do. So today, one of the things was that I wanted to have a very engaging conversation on this podcast. And I've got a meeting with my team later and I wanted to share some of the the fuel that I found in my life with them. So now I've got very simple, clear things that I, I want to achieve today. And when you look back on your day at the end of the day, you you've moved, you can move very far in a very short period of time if you intentionally head towards something, right. which is very right. different to the pre-GLA Ross where I would just react to emails that were coming in and phone calls that were happening. I was almost letting other people dictate the priorities of my day. You were reactionary, opposed- now you're actionary. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you also, it's not super unflexible. So if I get a phone call and I can look at it and go, well, this is actually more important than the other things that I set out to do, I can change my path, but I change it intentionally as opposed to just letting someone derail me. And then at the end of the day, you're like, wow, I've got nothing done. I didn't achieve anything. So, and, and I think that's in a work context, but I think it's also, you talked about doing it with your your habits changing. You can be intentional if you decide that you want to become a guitar player. You know, it's not hard to to become a guitar player. It's just the discipline of actually putting aside the time and doing the things that it takes to become a guitar player. Right. And then being intentional about the time you invest in that. Yeah, so I do a daily intention. I actually wrote a post about it last year called a, a I do what's called a New Day's Resolution. And I realized that we have these New Year's resolutions and we, we, you know, we get a weekend and then we fail and then we, uh, you know, we give up. And I, I always feel that, I don't want to say failure, but as part of the process of progress, sometimes you're not going to make it. And that doesn't mean it's binary that now you've, you know, you may as well stop. It means that you have to understand that that's part of your process. So every morning I write a, a New Day's resolution, which is a daily intention. It's something I want to do. Uh, so for example, today is to make better food choices. So the whole day I want to make better, I want to always look at whatever I want and to see if there's a better choice I could make. And so make better food choices the whole day. At the end of the day, when I reflect again tomorrow morning, I'll reflect on whether or not I did it. And I'll either give myself a V for victory sign or a little poo emoji sign next to it. At the end of a week, (laughs) if I've made, uh, five out of seven days with V signs, then I give a little trophy to the week. If at the end of the month, I have three out of four weeks with trophies, then the month is a win. And if at the end of the year, I have 10 out of 12 months uh, as wins, then the year was a win. And so now I'm on, you know, tracking tomorrow's the 1st of December as we're recording this. 
And I'm tracking to a year where my New Year's resolution, for the first time in my 44 years of life, my New Year's resolution has actually been maintained for up to now 11 months perfectly. Uh, because yes. I've built in... I'm sorry, is this not also how, how business strategy should be? That it's not about this big goal that you try and achieve every day, that you are, you are looking at the small things each day and the small things stack up to the medium things and the medium things stack up to the big things. And the big things, if you achieve enough small things along the way and you're intentional about them, when you reflect on your year, you've actually achieved your big goal. Right, but as opposed one, to- the massive caveat on that is the big goal. So at the beginning of the year, I decided this was my year of health, uh, that I wanted to get back into shape. I was feeling really uncomfortable with where I was, and I wasn't feeling healthy, and I was feeling very upset. And that's the most important thing. If you just randomly wake up in the day and think, oh, what have I got to do today? Okay, I'm recording a podcast. Let's make it interesting. Well, then, you know, that's cool. But if you decide, okay, well, uh, I wanted to make this my year of health, so uh, I'm going to wake up today and, and think about my food choices, or I'm going to wake up today and think about my water intake. And incidentally, I'm, I'm, I would say of the seven days a week, you know, sometimes I, I wake up and I say, I want to be inbox zero by the end of the day. And so it's not all just health, but there is a health goal at the end of the year. Now I'm down nearly 20 kilograms for the year. I'm feeling healthier. I have a number of goals. I couldn't do double unders at the beginning of the year. Now I can do 80. I'm trying to get to a hundred. I can do 11 pull-ups. I'm trying to get to 25. And these are things that are on my big, my big things to achieve list for the rest of my life. So I'm working towards things. And next year, for example, I already know is my year of wealth. So I want to make better decisions around what I buy and stop buying wastefully. I want to uh, invest better and I want to maybe sell more. I build, create wealth and then also uh, preserve wealth in terms of investment. But I, I've decided now that that's what my whole year is going to be about. So my daily habits will be intentional to that, not just something I think I can achieve easily today. There's got to be a victory condition. 100%. So, so one of the things is we had a, a speaker at, at the GLA, this um, woman from Nepal called Shaili Basnet, um, who climbed, she was one of the first Nepalese women to climb Mount Everest. Um, and you can go see her story online. It's phenomenal. But there was a thought she landed in one of the questions. So along her journey, they, they set out this, this idea that there was a group of 10 women and they were going to summit the seven tallest mountains on the seven continents. And at one point in the journey, they didn't have enough money for everyone to actually do the climbing. So mm-hmm. they were faced with this decision on who goes up the mountain, you know, because you've got now you've got seven people, but you've only got money for three people to physically climb. Um, and, and the question was asked of her, like, how did you make this decision? How did you decide who goes up the mountain and who doesn't? Right. And her answer was just so profound. She came back and said, you know, we, we decided that if one person made it to the top of the mountain, the whole team had succeeded. And we were clear that our vision was that all, like all seven of these mountains on all seven continents would be climbed, and that was what we were going to achieve. So when it came down to making the decision, it was right. easy. We just put the right people on the mountain who were the ones who were the most likely to climb. And then she landed the thought, which was the the size of the vision is in like is inversely proportional to the size of your ego. So if you have a really big ego, you only have space in your life for a very small vision. If you have a really, really big vision, 
you can only have space in your life for a very, very wow. small ego. And that's one of the thoughts that kind of stuck with me. You know, I think about it almost daily um, in about kind of what impact I want my business to have and my life to have. And it's allowed me to filter out things that were vanity projects for me. And, you know, it's, it's, it was just such a powerful thought um, by this woman who's climbed mountains and seen the world and has obviously come back with some amazing knowledge. I love it, but I'm not convinced it's true. How does that play off against Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos trying to get to Mars? You know, this is, these are massive, big visions, but they're also absolutely ego fuel. <laughs> um, I suppose maybe, maybe in that case, they're doing it at the expense of other human beings and at, you know, they're paying a cost somewhere else. And if you see what's happening, I mean, I think the fast company is calling for people to cancel their prime Amazon prime memberships, you know, and, and I think people are not necessarily feeling as excited or as happy about Amazon anymore. And I think uh, Elon has shared his um, fair share of bad, bad press. So, so maybe it is not as, as clear as that, but I think there's always, always something is paid in, you know, like there, there is some kind great, of a trade-off a that thought. has to happen somewhere. Now, something else I'd like to discuss yeah. very quickly is the maybe more practical aspect of the GLA. So, you know, I've owned a presentation business for 21 years now, and I arrived there on day one, we get introduced to this guy called Connor Neal, who's a presentation coach. And, you know, I remember that speech where they said to us, you know, just take part in everything and be engaged. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do listening to a presentation coach? Well, I'm so glad I did. That, you know, the, 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 the feedback and the knowledge, going back to school in your area of expertise is so valuable. And having that beginner's mindset and just going into it and thinking, don't think about what you know. Think about all the opportunity left to learn. And the truth is, Connor, who's now gone on to become a very good friend, has his mindset and his approach to tackling presentation, there are areas, principal areas that overlap, but his approach is so different to mine that he's taught me new methods and given me new tools and new ways of presenting that you can see us using when we coach people all the time. Like it's really had a massive impact. Uh, but you have to go into these things with your, with your eyes wide open and, and willing to just be a sponge. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, that that thought. I think what's it called? Yeah. Uh, ikigai. It's a Japanese concept of start with a beginner's mindset. And, you know, how many of these learning events and these opportunities EO has presented to me have I gone in with my filter of, oh, I already know this, I don't need to pay attention. And you lose out on those gems that just, that can combine with your knowledge and improve your knowledge and give you a slightly different take on things to make you a better version of what you were before you went in. But I think it does take that humility of, of being able to sit back and actually let somebody teach you something as opposed to trying to be the expert sitting in right. the room. And I guess, yeah, I mean, it was just so valuable for me personally and for everybody there. I think nobody left the GLA, not a better communicator, which I thought was very powerful. No, I mean, that process, so he runs a process where you, you, people go from not making a presentation to speaking in front of a group of their peers. And some of the stories that were presented represented so beautifully and were so moving, you know, and I, I can still remember them, but it, it all happened in that short period of time. Once again, coming back to the principle is that you, you practice 
and you intentionally improve. So you watch back at what you said, how you said it, and you think to yourself, how can I make this better? Can I cut this out? How do I tell that slightly better? And that intentionality is what allows you to improve. So you, you intentionally get better as opposed to just doing the task over and over again. You reflect back and go, okay, what could, do, what could I do differently? How could I do it slightly better, slightly faster, more succinctly? And I think just that idea of iterative improvement leads to huge bounds and huge right, leaps exactly. over time. All in all, though, an amazing, amazing process. Uh, for me, I can tell you two years later, I have no non-GLA days. I've been in every single day since GLA has impacted me because I've been so much more intentional. But even in, with regards to the people I've met, I have no non-GLA weeks every single week. I, I interact in some way, means of form with somebody I was on the GLA with every week. It's 10x, that alone 10x my EO experience. I mean, I think that's a nice segue into our next kind of topic that we are talking about, which is, you know, how to, how to 10x your EO experience. And I think what we wanted to chat about today is actively or intentionally building your, your connections to different people around the world. Um, I know you had some stories to share about, about your, your January and February. Do you want to talk a bit about that? I mean, I was looking at my calendar now, and it, I think uh, before the end of February, if I, if I see one, 10, 11, 12. Uh, so 13 countries I'll be speaking in before the end of February. Now, it's not all EO stuff, but every single one of those can certainly be tracked back to because of EO. So the fact that uh, getting involved with the network, meeting the people, and bizarrely, it's not also... The viral effect happened not from because I did a talk in one chapter, I got booked for another chapter. It's actually not how it worked. It was more because I met people at the GLC, for example, and I ran as a favor as part of my kind of leadership duties. I've run the president's track for the last two years. And then because of that, people come up to me and say to me, oh, we'd love to have you come and speak at our chapters. And so it's by by. The more I give into this organization, like I keep trying to give disproportionately to what I get, but it, EO just doesn't allow you to do that. Yes. It just doesn't allow you to do that. If you give EO one, it'll give you back two. If you give it three, it'll give you back six. It's just the way it works. And I've not managed to break that yet. I've not managed to break the point at which what I'm giving is more than what I'm getting back. It's it's like an unbelievable uh, thing for me. And I'm not quite sure why it is, but I guess it's the network effect because no matter how much I'm giving, I am pushing against an organization or giving to an organization of 13,000 people. Only a very, very, very small percentage of those have to give a very small percentage back to 10x what I'm getting. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's also that thing that they are, you know, EO is, a values-driven organization and people join because they they appreciate and they, they look at the values and the mission of the organization and think to themselves, I want to be part of that. And I think by that natural filtration, EO has collected a, a similar, not similar people, but people with a similar set of values right. from around like the world. Minded. And I found the more I give and the more I get involved in, I'm just exposed to more and more people. And the more experiences you have, you know, like the GLA, I was with 28 other, other people from around the world, uh, not including the six or seven people that were running the program. 
And I think I'll have a lifetime relationship with a large majority of those people. And if I engage in a different, a different leadership position, I will be surrounded by another 10 or 12 or 15 people that I might not know. Yeah, exactly. And who knows what opportunities or what thoughts yeah, are unlocked yeah. based on just being exposed to these, these people. Um, so I see it partially as a, just a way of exposing me to a, a much wider variety of, of interesting humans and humans that I can connect with and, and share an experience with. And if that means I have to, you know, organize an event or come up with a concept or build a tool or do something that kind of gives back to those people, then that's, that's what you've got to do in order to, to meet and engage with these people. You know, it's an organization that rule, and I guess this is, okay, so let's take this outside of EO. I think this is a, it's a, I always say that EO is kind of like practicing in public for life, right? Is that you can, you do stuff in EO that's practiced for everywhere else, but it's an organization that rewards you for saying yes to stuff. You know, I know that you were on a GLA with Daniel from, from Sao Paulo. And a few weeks ago, I was speaking in Brazil and I arrived there. Now, four, four cities, four days, back to back. I was quite tired. I'd just been speaking the day before in Tanzania. And Taryn, my assistant, messaged me and she says, the president from Sao Paulo, who, who you've not met, has uh, asked if you would rather stay at his house than a hotel. And my very, very first thought was, oh, you know, then I'm going to have to be social and do these things. And I thought, hold on a second. These are my people. Why would I not want to be social? And I thought about it and I thought, well, no, this is amazing. Let's do it. And then when I arrived at the airport, you know, at Sao Paulo, Daniel came and he said to me, you know, would you, I, we still have the hotel booked, but if you'd like, definitely you would love to come to your house. And I went to his house, had dinner with his family. And then the next day we went out for a 250 kilometer motorcycle ride on his motorbikes, way in the outskirts of Sao Paulo. It was like amazing, amazing once in a lifetime experience, literally a once in a lifetime experience that wouldn't have happened if I'd said, no, I'd rather stay at a hotel. And it's an organization, that's a microcosm of a story to show how you're rewarded for saying yes. Problem with most members is one, they don't put them into situ, they don't put themselves into situations in which they get asked a question that they could say yes to. They just tap in, they put their big toe in the water and then they take their forum and maybe their local learning and they leave it at that. You have to dig deeper. And again, the easiest way to get more from EO is to try to give more to the organization. I think this is going to be true for life in general, for any network you join, for any group. The more value you give to your network, the more your network will pay back because it's a networked effect. I mean, is it a network or does this apply generally to life? So the more you try and give to the, your family, your friends, your, the people at your office, your clients, the more you'll get back. Uh, you know, I think these principles stand true inside EO, but they also stand true outside EO. But that's be well, that to me is because life is a network, right? So you say family. Family is a multiple of people and you're one person. It, your family is a network. Your staff are a network of people. So, and again, when you try and give, if you try to give one unit of happiness in a morning to your staff and you've got 20 people, if 10% of them give back a unit back, you've now got uh, two units of happiness paid back to you. Uh, so, so that yeah. network effect will almost always work in your favor. And it just starts with you just trying to say yes to things and giving more and you'll get so much more in return. Yeah, so, so I mean, my my story was 
at the end of GLA. So we'd had these four and a half days that were phenomenal. And one of the guys I was on, on was from Costa Rica, Carlos, came to me and he's like, you know, dude, I love your energy. Uh, I've got a friend that you have to meet here in Washington. You have to meet him. And my head was saying, oh, man, I just actually want to go to my hotel room and sit down and reflect on what's happened, you know, and maybe sleep in. And he was like, no, dude, you have to do it. You know what? I'm booking you. The, I'm booking breakfast. I'm doing it. You have to meet my friend. Now, at Nice Work, we are, are you know, on the journey to becoming a service design agency and we are developing all of these products and we're trying out a whole bunch of things. Um, so, so fast forward to the morning, I get up, I walk across town and I sit down with his friend Dana, who happens to be the head of design at Fjord, which is one of the largest wow. service design agencies on earth. So now just because Carlos was, was pushing me to, to meet his friend because he really wanted me to meet this guy, I now have a connection to someone who's done and achieved many of the things that I hope to do and achieve with, with my business. And that connection never would have happened once if I'd said no, you know, if I'd been like, you know what, actually I'm just going to go to my hotel room because I know what's in my hotel room. There's, there's nothing new and exciting there. Yeah. I mean, I, on GLA, Christoph Magnuson said to me, come, because I'd said to him, I think I'm thinking about wanting to start shooting some videos. And he said to me, okay, well meet me at the hotel. We're going to go out and shoot a video. And I was like, wasn't really ready to do it. And he said, no, come, let's go do it. And we went and we shot videos. And I shot my first two videos at the GLA, and now I'm at number 70. Uh, you know, just because I said yes, and, but it's the opportunity. You see, if I wasn't out there, if I hadn't dipped in, that never would have happened. And I don't believe that, to bring this back to EO, I don't believe that you're going to get that from Forum. It doesn't create those kind of relationships you get by meeting kind of strangers from other countries. There's something nuanced and new and exciting about meeting people in completely different contexts when all of you are out your comfort zone, right? So, you know, it's a German and a South African in Washington meeting, talking about something. We are each other's common ground. Something special happens, but that all only happens when you say yes. So yeah, I think it's. Well, I mean, I suppose this, the the premise of this section is how to ten x, and you know, if you've got your forum mates, that's nine people or ten people. So ten x that is how do you meet 90, 90 people? How do you give yourself ninety opportunities to learn and grow and have these amazing experiences? Right. So if you are a member of this organization, answer number one is right now to drop an email to the president elect of your chapter and say, I would like to be either on the board or a day chair at a board event. That's it. I love that. The challenge has been set, and let's see. We'd love it if you guys would feedback to you if you did actually, actually. Do if this. you are a board member, your job is to do that to a committee, right? To say, I'd like to be involved. I've been really involved in maybe membership. I'd like to go to a regional uh, level and help with membership there, or I'd like to go to a committee and help with membership there, or whatever the case may be. But whatever you're doing now, try to do one more step. And every step in the organization opens you up to a larger group of people. If you go regional, you're opened up to people from all over you know, Africa. If you go uh, global, you're open up to people all over the world. And magic happens. Magic happens. I'm, it's, I'm such a different human being now because I said yes. So say yes. yes. I do. I do. Yes. <laughs> so, so I think we've got a few minutes left. Um, do we want to tackle the topic of um, uh, fix versus change that we were discussing before this? 
Right, so let me give you a little bit of premise. I went to an event the other day. It was a conference uh, thrown by a large uh, organization in South Africa or a global organization, actually. And in this conference, they called it an unconference. And they wanted to break the convention of conferences. They feel that conferences are boring and presentations are terrible and death by PowerPoints and all of these things. So we're not going to have any of that. You arrive, and if you think of a topic you want to speak about, you write it on a whiteboard, and then people will come and attend your event, and you'll have a really interesting discussion about really interesting stuff. And I left halfway. Because it turns out it wasn't that interesting. The conversations weren't that great. Uh, because they weren't well-researched. Everybody was just throwing around opinions. Opinions, you know, are like assholes. Everybody has one. They're, it turns out they're not that great. The deepest conversation I got into was basically a bunch of people talking about uh, things they picked up while reading Homer Deus that would only have been interesting to other people who've read who've um, not read Homer Deus because if you've read it, you already knew all of that stuff. So we weren't getting anywhere deeper. And I felt like the problem was that they threw the baby out with the bathwater. They said, conferences I've gone to are bad because the presentations weren't good. Therefore, stop doing yes. presentations. But if that was the case, we never would have had t TED Talks or places like PopTech or really amazing conferences. In fact, what they've done is they've doubled down and gone the other way. They've said, if talks aren't good, try harder to make them good. Just don't accept bad talks. And I think we often try to reinvent the wheel when all we need to do is pump up the tire. And I think that's problematic. Yeah. And what was that thought we landed earlier, which is, you know, you just got to ask yourself, have other people had success with this format or this thing or this thing we're trying to change? And if the answer is yes, then potentially it is that you're just doing it badly and you need to look at how you're delivering on that stuff as opposed to do we do something completely different? Right. It's your brainstorming mm -hmm. example. Yeah. We had a, an experience where a client asked us to come. Mm -hmm. You know, the challenge they said to us was that their team was coming up with the same ideas over and over again. And they, they needed somebody to come and kind of inject some energy and change this whole thing that they're doing. And we went there and we, we went there ready to participate in this brainstorm. And it actually just turned out to be a masterclass in how not to run a brainstorm. So they had a great team and the team was trying to come up with ideas, but they were being shut down and there was filtering of the ideas in the brainstorm and there was feedback and kind of comments and, and hierarchy in the people who were in the room. So, so the, the problem wasn't actually that the team was bad and the team couldn't come up with good, good ideas. The problem was actually that they didn't know how to run a brainstorm properly. And what they need to do is invest in the process of running a brainstorm and just sticking to that a bit more rigorously. And I think the net result will be that the ideas will come out, will be better, and, and they won't actually have the problem that they called us for in the first place. Okay, so the two thoughts I think uh, that are important to take this away. Uh, the first one, <clears throat> we may as well edit that out. <laughs> so the two thoughts I would say when you're looking at something and you're thinking this is not working or we are not good at this and we should change this, is the first is to ask yourself, are other people good at it? Are other, have other people figured this out? And if so, what have they done to make it work? And then the second thing to say is, I guess, are we trying to reinvent the wheel uh, or do we just need to pump up the tire? And if, if you can find other people that are doing something, chances are you just need to pump up the tire. 
That's not to say don't ever reinvent and don't try to find new, better ways of doing things. It's just a case of saying don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. If something isn't working, often just change how you do it. Don't change what you do. Yeah, and, and I think this ties all together really nicely with the discussion we were having about the GLA. I think it also has a huge impact on if you realize that what you're doing is not working, how can you intentionally improve? How do you look back at what you've done and unpack what's working, what's not working, and then spend time just reflecting on how to improve what is working and how to reduce what isn't and take that incremental approach. And you'll look back one day and see that you're in a much better place. Your conference is much better. Your brainstorms are generating much better ideas. And you're actually getting a lot more value out just by intentionally improving as opposed to trying to start something right. completely different. exactly. Cool. So really great chatting to you. I think that we this is a, a wrap. Maybe before we go, I wanted to congratulate the two I only know two of the three present elects, but Wahid Adam in Cape Town and Jed Myers in, in Johannesburg, congratulations uh, on being voted in as present elects. Do you know who Durban is? Yeah, and we look forward to um, helping you bring your vision to ear to life. So if you need anything from us, you know where to find us. Absolutely. So you've been listening to an episode of Radio. And because we're all about incremental improvement, I just want to correct something I said earlier that Ikigai is actually uh, your vision of what you're good at and what you're passionate about in the world. Um, and the, the thought of taking a beginner's mindset is actually Shoshin, uh, which is where you start every experience with a beginner's mindset. Awesome. So thank you very much for listening. Um, this podcast is produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. Shout out to our sponsors, uh, Bidvest Car Hire, Bidvest McCarthy, 10XE, and um, Health Insights or Exec Care. You guys are absolutely amazing and we wouldn't be the organization we are without you. Um, and I want to leave you guys with a thought at the end of this from Carlos Cobian from um, Costa Rica is... Knowledge is, uh, it's obligatory to share. So if, you, if you've listened to anything and learned anything in this podcast and you know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please forward it on to them. We totally appreciate that. And in the spirit of intentional improvement, if you guys think we could do anything better, if something really spoke to you, we'd love to hear good and bad feedback. Please reach out. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>